Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm very excited to have on the call today David Ralph, who's the founder of Join Up Dots, which is an international smash hit podcast. I believe I'm the first person to have ever been on the show. Is that right, David? That is absolutely right. You were number one. Look at that. That makes me feel special that I was the first person for this massively successful podcast. And you were just sharing some numbers offline. What's the total number of downloads you've ever had in a month, like the most downloads you've ever had in a month since you started the podcast? Blimey, I, I can't really remember. I, I had 25,000 in one day. I think I was getting about 300,000 wow. in one month. Yeah, one month I nearly got 500,000. But as we would talk about in the show, a lot of it was sort of fabricated. Sure. There, there's ways of growing an audience, which seems like it's doing really well until you turn <laughs> it off. Um, and then you realize you actually haven't got those numbers. But that, that was it. But now I would say, yeah, the people that come to me, because I don't promote at all, Tom, they're the real listeners. Totally. And I, I bring up those numbers, well, one, because I think most people do point to those when it comes to podcasts. So it's like, oh, that's an impressive number. I appreciate your transparency and honesty and saying, hey, this is that maybe that's a vanity metric. And so we'll talk about like the real numbers and how we should measure this. I think even if, you know, there's still something to be said for half a million downloads, that's an insane amount of listenership. Even if it's just for like a single podcast, think about that. Half a million people would have listened to you. I mean, does that ever like surprise you when you think about it? It surprises me that one person wants to listen because my kids, my kids, my family, they don't listen at all. Um, no, it, it does. It does. But it's funny. There's certain parts of growing a show that you you run around screaming and you sort of say, oh, I'm number one in iTunes and I'm number one here and I've got these numbers. Once you sort of move on from it, you look back and you think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but if it doesn't make you feel happy, it's not worth it. You can have the most beautiful wife in the world, which I know you have, Tom, and and I have as well in case she listens to this one. And, um, you know, it just doesn't mean anything at all. And so I don't focus on the numbers anymore. I focus on the growth. I focus on the geographical spread. That excites me, but not the amount of people that are coming. But if you do it right, they come anyway, as, as I said in Fields of Dreams, I think it was. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I remember the first time, probably the first time maybe you interviewed me for the show. And I want to say back then when you were doing, when you were just starting it off, you were doing everything. You were recording, you were editing, and you were doing this daily. You were doing a daily podcast, which mm. at the time, the only person I knew who was doing it was John Lee Dumas. And I remember thinking he was kind of insane for doing it. And I, I think since then it's, it's spread. There's more daily podcasts than before. But you know, you also look at that and you say a lot of those have big production teams behind it. Are you still doing everything or have you started to build up a team around it where basically you just come in and, and do the interviews? No, I, I do everything. I do. There's a lot of easy stuff now. You know, I don't have to look for guests. Guests just come to me. So that's easy. So when I was starting and yeah, John was doing the daily show, but I was doing an hour plus pre-scripted show. You know, it was madness looking back on it, Tom. 
I learned so much through that process, but actually now my recording and editing, I record and I edit live, all the sound clips go in. It's like a radio station. So at the end of it, it's 19 seconds and my show's done. So there's a lot of ease for it. So although my show is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which is brilliant, that kind of first year when I just slogged it taught me so much, but I only actually record on three days a month now. All the rest of it, I don't do anything at all. And tomorrow, actually, as we're recording this, is Thursday and I have them lined up from eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night so I go about 12 hours which is a lot of recording back to back to back keeping the energy up as much as possible but at the end of it I've literally done three weeks work and then I do another one and then another one and then that's it I don't touch it and I don't even turn the microphone on so I'm a kind of podcaster who rarely podcasts but it means that when I'm ready for it I'm ready for it big time you know and I I can blast big give them the energy and at the end of it i pull off the plug and think oh let's go down the pub and have a drink I, you know I, I like that and it's something i try to remind myself to do more often but after this i'm inspired i'm writing it down i'm going to start batching even the podcasts i do because right now even i've broken it down where i do basically like one a week but i think to myself <laughs> i don't think that's actually as good as having because then i have to you know shift into that mindset of interview yes work, you know and it's it's a big energy shift and then if you know that's the only thing you're doing in the day it's like i just have to give my full attention to this person and if you can carve out a day for it, I think that's a beautiful idea because then you don't let anything else get in the way where sometimes like there are times where I struggle where I'm like, oh, I need to do this interview, but I have these other things to do like for clients or for myself. And it kind of runs into it. So I love the idea of batching. And I think it's funny because initially I would think, well, maybe that would degrade the quality, but I think that's not the case. I think it would actually increase the quality of the conversations. Well, it does because you are 100% on the ball. You're absolutely focused. Now, at the end of it, I'm exhausted. Now, I used to do training in London and I used to stand up on stage and for eight hours I would do conferences and presentations and stuff. And that's where I get my energy from, from doing that. But it's a totally different ball game. It's like being totally mentally on your game for 12 hours. And at the end of it, I can hardly sort of talk to my family. I just go in and sort of slump into bed and that's it. But I, I love doing it that way. And on a Thursday, I literally scamper up to my recording studio, turn on the microphone and then bang, we hit. It, it just makes life easy because when I've got flexibility to be more creative with my, my thoughts and, you know, I can just switch off and I can go well, we went to the caribbean recently and i just turned everything off and people said well you're going to check in i went no and they said well what happens if it goes wrong i went ah nobody will die if an episode of join up dots doesn't go live you know which is a totally different mindset to what i had a year beforehand when i was trying to find dodgy wi-fi in bars all over the world to make sure that you know the emails were being answered um now i don't my emails get answered once every two weeks my show goes live and if it doesn't you know it, it's, it's not going to be a, a life changer I love it. I mean, there's so many, I guess, directions we could take this conversation. So I'm just going to go selfishly where I want to on this one because <laughs> you, you mentioned, so you said that you, essentially one man show. You have yes. yet, you know, with the reach that you're getting, you probably could, you know, build a team around it or outsource it. Why not? Why continue to do everything yourself? Because then I've got a responsibility to keep it going. I'm aware of this. Once, once you start actually having employees, you're effectively changing people's lives. And it will make your life easier. But, you know, if you get somebody from the Philippines or from India or something, this is like a life-changing sum. It kind of means I've got to keep on doing it forever. 
which people will say, well, that's madness. You can just stop. But I like the fact of finding the 80-20 in every, everything that I do. I love the finding the streamlining ways. I like the ways of recording quicker, producing quicker, interviewing quicker. I just love that. And so I think to myself, if that's something that lights me up inside, finding these systems that work for me, and then I've got the ability to just turn it off and walk away from it without having to connect with somebody and say, can you you know, keep an eye on this and can you do that? I don't think I will ever have a team. Now, what actually will hold me back is the upskilling, the knowledge base, because there's certain things with growing a business that I know that I'm not naturally good at. Now, that has slowed down certain progress because it's all up to me to upskill in those areas. So with like lead generation and sales funnels and all that kind of stuff, I've had to learn everything myself, which has been a, a drag. I could have got somebody and just, you know, thrown it to them. They could have created it and away we go. So it's not a kind of scalable thing, but it makes me feel good tom the the ability of just having control and just walking away from it i like that i mean it's a i get caught up this definitely got caught up in it probably the last year honestly think about it it's this idea of growth 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 and it's it's kind of a lie i mean there's for established business with employees yeah you have to grow like what's the point of just staying stagnant when you're doing something where it's essentially like owner operator for i guess lack of a better way to maybe describe it whether it's online or off there's something to be said, I think, for doing it your way, simplifying the process, streamlining it and saying, yeah, I'm the judge, jury, and executioner on this thing. And that's how I want it to be. And because there are, there are upsides to that. I, I think you touched on a few of them, like the idea of when you start hiring people, it changes the game. Two, it increases responsibility. Um, yeah. And all these other things, it, by its nature, it, it changes everything, even a single employee. So I really appreciate your insights on that. I don't know if you have anything else to add on there. I just think it's me. You know, I, I talk to people and they say to me, oh, are you doing this? And are you doing that? And I go, no, I'm not doing any of it. Yeah, but you, you should be. And I, I got bombarded with people giving me their advice. Now, for, for the listeners, I actually asked Tom's advice when I was in corporate land. Before I quit, I was actually sitting at my desk thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I sent an email to Tom. I'd never spoken to him, but I'd been in the resistance. I'd been listening secretly to the podcast. And um, I got the, the best advice ever. And I haven't taken many people's advice since. That was something that basically said, it's going to be bloody hard. It's going to be really worthwhile. But if you want it enough, you can do it. And I love that simple advice. And that works on so many different levels. And so when I get advice from people, they're basically telling me how they would operate. And I like the ability to sort of surprise people, Tom. I like it when people say, well, what? You haven't got a team. How are you doing this? Oh, well, you know, and it's just the fact that I look at everything and think, do I need to do it? And if I don't need to do it, then I don't do it. And my show has grown because of that. I've, I've cut off all the fat and I'm just doing the sweet spot, the 80-20. I love that. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I'm glad it's also my piece of advice. I'm going to brag about that for sure. <laughs> that's fantastic you were the man you were the man and uh you know i salute you and that's why you was episode one of my show and then you were episode 500 you know they were big milestone shows for me and it wouldn't have happened without you everybody needs somebody to give them you know dumbo's magic feather that a belief that they can fly and the group that I was surrounded with weren't they they were just like let's get to Friday and go for a drink down the pub and so that's why I got so into in the trenches because I could feel you know 
it was something that I could connect to, but I didn't know. I had no idea I was going to be a podcaster. It was a mile away from what I was thinking of. But you gave me, yeah, you gave me the feather. It makes me, makes me happy and proud. And I'll say it's, you know, what's really cool is anytime, because I do definitely have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. Obviously, I have clients, I'll say students um, in some of my programs. So I do a fair bit of coaching, mentoring beyond some of the service-based work that I do and the collaborative stuff I do. And and I'll say it's interesting. I do get a lot of people who do come to me where there's like, you know, veterans and stuff like that. And but beyond that as well, who ask me for for advice and things like that. And it's it's funny because I literally just had the conversation like a few days ago with a, with a friend of mine. And that was it. I was like, you know, this is a good idea. It's gonna be hard. Like it's gonna be really hard. And I don't sugarcoat it because everything online sugarcoats it and, and then glorifies yeah. it too. Glorifies like the entrepreneurial aspect of it or this like online persona thing. And it's like behind the surface, it's not really glorious, right? It's kind of tough. It's difficult. It can be depressing at times because it can get lonely. There's like a lot of negatives to it. And all I can say is like, it's going to be hard, but I always appreciate it when somebody's like, takes that to heart and then actually does something with it, which you've done. And I don't know. It, I mean, I think, you know, join up dots in your show is just, it's incredible. And the, the way you've grown it again, by yourself, it's just beyond incredible. And so I want to dig into a little bit of the business behind it. So you're doing this. It's your full-time job, right? Yes. So, well, yeah, well, yes, it is. But funnily enough, um, I don't actually have to podcast to earn money. In between, I suddenly realized that podcasting was not was not a radio host. Now, if you listen to my show, I go at it like a kind of cheesy game show host kind of thing. I have that kind of vibe. So it's very sort of fun, but we get some deep conversations and stuff. And I realized that through that, most people go, right, I will do coaching. And they will get a few people on there. And I did that. And I realized, Tom, that I hated it. I didn't like on a Tuesday looking at my calendar and thinking, oh, I've got to speak to that person. I've got to speak to that person. So I turned Join Up Dots from zero to 100 grand within about 15 days to almost zero again in three months later because I realized that I just didn't like it. And so I wasn't earning any money on it. I was creating the show. I was loving the show. I was loving interviewing. But how do I convert that? How do I convert that? Because everybody tells me you've got to do coaching, but I didn't want to do coaching. So I created an affiliate business and you can Google it called WhatsApp Florida Keys. And inspired by Pat Flynn, I thought to myself, right, if I really work at this, I could build something that could pay my bills. And then that gives me the liberation to take it at my own pace and and do things my own way. So I created this online business called WhatsApp Florida Keys. It sells holidays, it sells days out, all based around the Florida Keys because I crunched the numbers. I realized there was a market there. And so I did that. That was where I made my money to be able to then sit back and become a master at podcasting. And I I couldn't have done that beforehand. You got to break that down for me. I was not aware of that. So you basically took the platform that you had built and were building. And man, you're going different directions than most people I talk to, which is fascinating. And it's, it's just, it proves, I think that there are Many, 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 many ways to do just about anything, right? There's lots of versions of, of success. There's, you know, failure usually comes in the same structure, right? But I think that's what's so interesting about what you're saying. So you built the audience. Instead of like, like the things I've seen that people have done is obviously, you know, advertising and things like that, growing the platform, doing educational courses. The, what sounds like the thing you did, that's now allowed you to profit from this and allowed you to keep doing it and keep profiting from it is by doing a niche website. Is that correct? Or are these totally yeah. separate things? 
Yeah, that is totally separate. But I just looked at it and thought, I need to pay the bills. How do I do this? I loved being a podcaster. I loved interviewing people. But how do I translate that into money? Well, the easy route, if you've got a huge audience, is by getting sponsorship on it. But I realized that becoming a podcaster is, you know, people think they're going to turn on the microphone, start talking, and everything's going to be plain sailing. And it's not. It's very, very hard. So I wanted to find a way that I could take away the hardness if that's a word from podcasting for so many people and find a way of growing a show organically by the way that you provide visibility for the show now if i can just explain this you're getting me all passionate here tom but i realized that I was doing everything for Join Up Dots. I was on Facebook, I was on LinkedIn, and it suddenly dawned on me one day that do people go to Twitter to find a podcast? Probably not. Do people go to Facebook? No, they go to Facebook to look at people's cats and talk to their mates. Why am I on this platform? Where do people go to podcasts? iTunes. And once I thought that, I thought to myself, so there's 600 million people on iTunes and every podcaster I know just kind of launches on there and hopes for the best. Surely I should get a piece of that pie. And so I started crunching the numbers and looking at it. And once you really understand it, and it's it's taken me about two years of literally playing around with iTunes every single day, you can see it with totally different eyes. Now, once I got what I needed to do, I switched off all the promotion because I had to get my audience down to its lowest level so I could see if it was working. Otherwise, you're just papering over the cracks. And that's what I did. I suddenly started started right i'm going to use itunes because that's where the podcast lovers are and get maximum visibility so every show that i release is based on a certain keyword structure or a keyword need the title of the show is optimized the author structure is optimized everything about it and literally once i started it it went like 22,000 25,000 45,000 75,000 100 it's just going up and up and up and that is my story really Tom I created what's at Florida Keys to give me the blueprint or the flexibility of sitting back and saying I'm not pressurized about earning money from join up dots anymore I'm here for the long haul I want to be as good as possible at this I need to find something that separates me from everybody else and the thing that I could see was not about actually launching a podcast recording a podcast everybody does that it was that extra bit of actually growing a show organically so if you then have to go onto Facebook and Twitter you can do so instead of basing your audience everywhere outwards you base it on what you're actually doing which then you can add to it if you want later does that make sense I mean, it does. It brings up a lot of different questions and challenges. Like, you know, essentially you went at, you, you dealt a, what would you call it? Like a niche, niche website? Is that like a, yeah. So you, you went through that process. What was your experience in that? Or did you just figure it out as you went and kind of learn that while you were doing the podcast? I was listening to Pat Flynn and Pat Flynn was doing this thing about truck, food trucks or yes, something he yeah. was doing. I I vaguely remember, they all blow into one, but he had this battle with his mate and his mate was going to do a niche site and he was going to do a niche site. And I thought, all this is interesting. So I I started listening to him and looking at his site and I thought to myself, well, why don't I do it myself? So I started going on to Google AdWords and keywords and playing around with different things. And I found that there was quite a lot of people looking for content on the Florida Keys. And I'd never been there. I had no idea what this place was. 
It was just the fact that I knew people were looking for it and there wasn't the supply. So I thought, right, okay, I'm going to call it WhatsApp Florida Keys only because I thought people might type that into Google. WhatsApp Florida Keys. It's been proved right and it became very profitable very, very quickly. So I don't actually have to earn any money from my online ventures at all, which means I'm actually able to make more money because I've got the flexibility of, you know, screwing up and then going, okay, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? And sort of playing around with it instead of thinking, oh my God, you know, I've got to go and work in Walmart. I I, I need to get some cash in. I've, I'm literally retired based on this little niche site, which has allowed my other ventures the Join Up Dots podcast, Podcasters Mastery, my training resource to grow. It's that breathing space that I didn't have. Um, and so, yeah, Pat Flynn was a big influence because of he, his ability to show the steps. And I just followed his steps. And I'm a great believer on if you're doing something in business, I'm not clever enough to create something new, but other people have been doing it. And so if you go onto LinkedIn, and this is one of my big bugbears, you get people going, you know, I'm a business coach. I can teach you marketing. I can teach you this. And you go over to LinkedIn and they were working in an insurance company two weeks beforehand. And then they're suddenly an expert. And so I think to myself, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you. you. You weren't doing it yourself two weeks. Now, Pat had been around about eight years. And so he was somebody that I thought, right, I'm going to benchmark myself on him. And also um, John Lee Dumas, because he was doing it. He, he was ahead of the curve. He was going for it. So I just kind of looked at those two guys and really analyzed what they were doing that was successful and tried to take the best of that and then put my own spin into it. And so instead of reading forums and blogs and going over to Facebook and stuff, I literally separated myself totally except for those two guys. And I thought, well, they're not bad guys to follow. Wow. Interesting. How long did it take you because that's the thing. I think the idea of the niche, I've never thought that it could be quite that profitable. So you did that. How long did it take you to kind of get it up and running? What does that look like? How much of your time is divided between the podcast, the course, everything else you do, and then also this website that, that produces your income? Well, I don't do anything with the website at all now. I need to get back on it and sort of update. It just sits there. And um, I just get checks and money coming into my bank account. So when I actually did it, I went for it hell for leather. And it took me about four months, really. And I literally was going onto web pages, researching, going into a book. And I bought a book that was a guidebook, you know, an insider's guide to the Florida Keys. And it had bars, details and stuff. And so I would find a bar and I would look up the bar and I'd go over to TripAdvisor and find some reviews and stuff and sort of bang back and forth. And so it took me about three months. But while we're doing that, actually, and this was something that I did before corporate gig, and I say this to anybody now, they say, how can I earn more money? And I say to them, spend less. You know, that's the first starting point. If you are looking to actually change your life, change your spending habits, and you will find that there's a huge amount of wastage. So when people are in corporate gigs and they're earning 60 grand a year, and they're going, right, okay, I'm going to have to make a business that's 60 grand a year. No, you don't. Stop wasting 30 grand and then you've only got to, you know, replace the 30 grand. And so I did that leading up to my transition. So when I connected with you, I still had a mortgage and I still had one or two things, but I'd been very focused on reducing my overheads. So I got down to the point where I only had to make this niche site bring in about $1,200 a month. And I was retired. I was retired because I managed to pay off all my debts beforehand. Wow. Interesting. Never really like seriously considered that that route at all. 
And you know, here's why, except for Pat Flynn, who's showing it that it's, it's possible to do, but I was always like suspicious because if he's doing it live, he's obviously going to get a certain amount of traffic from that, which just does, doesn't negate anything that he does. He's absolutely good at what he does. And he obviously teaches stuff that works, but it was, it's because a lot of, anytime anybody else talks about this or like, you know, ghostwriting or some of these other things, they never share examples. They never share like really what they're doing. And I get, I get that conceptually. And I, but I, the fact that you actually shared the name and what you're doing, I'm like, this is fat. It's proof in the pudding. You know, it's, it's, you're proving it as you do, which is just fascinating. Do you consult or coach people on this topic at all? No, no, I don't. I could do, I could do, but I, I love the fact of being a podcaster, you know, at the end of the day. And when I started and I decided after listening to your show, I think I could do this. I think I could be a podcaster. I never once thought, oh, I want to be a business coach. I never want to do that. And I just see that so many people, I feel personally, dilute their message by throwing everything and hoping that something sticks. And I think that if you go over to LinkedIn, if you go over to any of the business platforms, you only look at a profile of a second and you need to know what that thing's about. And so I didn't want to have too much going on around the and I might do in the future, Tom, I might do, I might separate it totally. But at the moment, I've just got these three things going on. I've got Podcasters Mastery, which I run every other month, which is very, very lucrative, which is brilliant. I've got Join Up Dots, which has been this huge experiment working out how to get an audience organically. I've now got people coming to me wanting to sponsor this show, which I pushed away because I had, I, I don't really like adverts and sponsors on shows, but it's stupid to turn money away when it's it's in front of me now. And then I've got the, the WhatsApp Florida keys as well. So I've got those three going on. But um, I've got some other stuff in the background, which I, I'm just sort of playing around with quietly to see if anything will come of it. And um, if yeah. it does, I might I might grow that. But totally different. My, my thing is, and I keep on emphasizing it, I am a podcaster. You know, I'm not anything else. I'm a podcaster and I'm proud to say that. And so if I can become the best I possibly can be at being a podcaster, then I think the rewards naturally come to you. You know, the world looks in your direction when you are one of the good guys that are doing the right thing. And that's just what I, I always look in the bathroom mirror ever since I've been doing this every morning and go to myself, you know, one more day until it hits. And my colleagues say to me, it's hit already. It's hit already. Can't, can't you sense this? And I say, no, no, I know where I'm heading. I know where I'm heading. So I just put my head down. I don't listen to anyone else. I don't really go online. You won't find me on Facebook very often. That's it. I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm moving forward to where I want to be. Yeah, I was going to say like, well, it seems like if you this is working for one, you you know what what would stop you from doing you know several others? Because obviously it's you know it seems like it's it's it is relatively passive. It sounds like what you're describing, but also there's definitely it seems like there's maybe a steep learning curve at first, or and, and maybe quite a bit of time and effort in the beginning of it. Is that about right? It was a killer. It was a killer. And I, I go back to it and now I think to myself, I don't know how I push through. And I actually had burnout twice, Tom, which I'd never had before. In corporate land, I never had burnout. I just went there and pretty much you did the work and you got paid for it. And sometimes the manager loved you. Sometimes they slammed you, but you pretty much, you know, you just did it. And last, when was it? About August time last year, I remember um, having this burning sensation on top of my head and it was like my skin was on fire and uh, I went to the doctor and he said you're stressed I went no I'm not stressed you know I'm 
you know, I'm doing what I want. I love doing it. How can I be stressed? And my hair just started dropping out and it was really dramatic. And so I, I sort of panicked and um, listened to everyone's advice who told me and they all said, you're stressed. And I didn't realize, but I'd been so into upskilling, learning, failure, success. I'd actually got myself sort of worked up. And when I realized that I had this problem was, you know, that bit when you're just waking up in the morning and you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake, I suddenly realized that my stomach would be churning and I was like, oh, you know, I've got to get up there. I've got to do this. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. And I thought, right, I'm not doing that. So I switched off everything and I just recorded the podcast and I didn't focus on anything else. And so if you listen to the podcast, I was quite open in many ways about this this issue, but I always tried to be professional. I always tried to be positive. So it didn't sound like I was going through such a dark time, but it was a real wake up call for me that you can't have too many dinners. Do you know what I mean? If I've got enough money to just pay for my kids to have a lovely life, my wife to have a lovely life, but it means that we can go for a walk together in the morning or we can just do stuff. I don't think there's any reason to add more and more onto it. So I've got the time and I've got the flexibility to do it, but I don't see the point in killing me, killing myself. And I, I killed myself twice, which is just stupid looking back at it. You know, there's, there's so much wisdom in what you're saying. And I say that because I can resonate with the thoughts, but I know you've been through it like probably deep, deeper than I have at that point, you know, when it, when it, it hits. Right. And so I, I think that's an important point for people to listen to and really think about. And the other thing that struck me was your willingness to, to just do the thing that you like doing the way you want to do it and make no bones about it. It's funny because even now I'm reflecting myself, how much in this online space is just posturing. It's just pretending. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, you know what? That's pretty darn cool. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to interview, you know, people, you know, and now you just do it for fun and you do these other things that make you money on the side and, and obviously, you know, create a really nice life for you and your family. And I'm like, the more I do this stuff and the more I work, especially with like, anytime I work with a a large business, typically software companies are very large, established, you know, personal brands. So we'll say they're, they're in a certain category. Then the other group of people that I work with are those who are trying to start something in the space, right? And I think you're yeah. pulled in by this, these ideas. Oh, it's like, oh, I want to be Gary Vee or I'm be Tim Ferriss or any of these things. And that's, that's where their ambition lies. And then they go, they work so hard. And I see this all the time. And it's like, one, I don't think the success rate is very high, unfortunately, because you never really see the failure rate. And I think to myself, that probably would not be the case if the individual who's doing that had the, I think, I would say like kind of, honestly, the kind of the courage. I don't think that's a, a misuse of that word, the courage to just take a step back and say, well, actually, what do I, what do I need? And then what do I want? Why do I want it? And if these wants are coming from some sort of like this aspect of posturing or trying to be something I'm not, or because I feel compelled to, because other people are doing it, cut that off. I mean, I think that's, that's a fascinating kind of perspective because you, everything you're saying to me is like counterintuitive, which I always appreciate. Anytime I land on somebody who's doing something, doing something right. And it's also counterintuitive. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think one of the things that I like about podcasting is you can go back and listen to the first episode that somebody released and they sound different. You know, I sounded very muted and I listened back to my first interview, which was you. And it's me, but it's not me, you know, and I like the fact. And so I think if you want to do something, you can go back and you can find the early evidence. And in podcasting, you can see that really well. But certainly being authentic to yourself on the podcast, I still get 
get people connect with me saying, David, I, I like your show, but, you know, I don't think you should be doing Scooby-Doo impressions and singing and all that. And I think, why? It's my show. And if you don't like that, go and listen to somebody else's. That authenticity and that willingness to be totally me and when things are crappy, share it. And I, I remember actually recording an episode. It was about episode 300. And I just created this new membership site and I thought it was going to be brilliant and everyone was going to buy into it. Nothing happened. And then uh, my website, nothing was happening. And I, I recorded and I said, look, my life is crap, mate. You know, I, whoever's listening to this, don't think that I've got the answers because I haven't. All I'm doing is giving it a go and trying again the next day and then the next day. And if you're inspired by this, you know, brilliant. And so I've always wanted to share that story because I don't want to polish it all up, that it's all glamorous. Because if I do it right, it's going to get like that anyway, Tom. It's going to get polished. The website's going to look better. I'm going to sound better. The guests are going to get more high level. It's got to naturally occur because that's how things happen. But I don't want that one person who was me sitting at that desk and listening to me, unwilling to write me an email like I did for you, you know, because that could kill a dream. But dreams are only there as a starting point. And the real part of it is not the dream at the beginning. It's the dream two years later when you suddenly realize that actually it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. My real dream is that, you know, just to sort of emphasize, I started off thinking money was a dream. I was thinking, right, okay, all these guys are doing this. Brilliant. I'm going to get all this money. I'm just going to talk into a microphone, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be brilliant. As I proceeded through, I realized that freedom and control. That's my dream. And I would rather earn just one pound more than I need if it means that my whole life is in control under my own terms, more than having 200 grand every month coming in. But I'm having to Skype call with some person who's running my management team and somebody else and somebody else, you know, so it's, it was the freedom, but my original dream was very much ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I was a bit surprised when I got to that point and I thought, no, money's not interesting me anymore. It's all about having the life on my own terms. Well, I thought this conversation was going to go in one direction and it went <laughs> in a totally different direction. And those are my favorite kind of conversations. I know I'm actually at the kind of the top of the time I said I wanted to spend with you. So I want to be respectful of your time. There's too much more to cover, honestly. So what I'm going to do is, because we didn't even dive into the organic growth of your podcast, which I was like actually itching to get to, but I know you have some teaching and a course around that. So where can people find that? Where can people find Join Up Dots? Uh, the floor is yours. Well, if you go up to iTunes and just look for Join Up Dots, I should be most places now, or you can come to Google. It's a good place to find us. Just type in Join Up Dots and you'll have nearly 900 shows now and you're here Tom, episode one, if you want to sort of go back into the archives. And of course, my training course, which is a four week absolute masterclass, is Podcasters Mastery, which we're launching again in about 30 days. We we run it, we close it, we run it, we close it, and we do six per year. And then it gives me a life to go down the pub. Wow. Love it, David. Absolutely love it. I might actually have to go and listen to your first episode again, just because it might be a blast from the past for me. And, uh, you were good. You were good. I don't I know about good. myself, but yeah, but you, 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 you sounded like you knew what you were talking about. Oh, good. That, you know, fake it till you make it. So I appreciate yeah. that. Well, David, Hey, thank you so much for being on in the trenches, man. Always a pleasure. We'll have you back for sure. Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to in the trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.